It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's To the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff, you know and what? it's the Qinator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for the weekend mailbag. So for that, of course, we're bringing the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, last week we left off talking about In-N-Out Burger. And since we were talking about food, I thought we should probably keep that conversation going and get into our pizza recommendations. You'll do one from Jersey, like always, and I'll do one from New York. We're talking about the boroughs, so I'm going to recommend one that's in Brooklyn. It's called Spumoni Gardens. The specialty there is Sicilian. So if you like Sicilian slices, which I do, they have as good as you're going to get when it comes to Sicilian. You go there, you get yourself a Sicilian pie. Odds are, unless you're a maniac like me, you're not going to be able to eat the entire pie within one sitting or at least within any kind of reasonable amount of time, and you're probably going to have some left over. But it is absolutely phenomenal. You will not find better Sicilian pizza anywhere else. Spumoni Gardens in Brooklyn. I'm I'm going to go with uh, a place called the Pizza Pub in uh, Chester, New Jersey. Uh, it's excellent pizza. It's been a little while since I had it because I'm not I I don't work my way over to the Chester area too much anymore. But it is excellent pizza. Uh, they have good specialty pizzas, but just the regular pizza is really really good. Um, it, it's exceptional. Uh, yeah. So the, the Pizza Pub is the is my uh, answer there next question comes in from gangrene for life he says scott why is it that you are more excited about the chances of a couple of undrafted free agents making the team than having sixth or seventh round picks make the team if the chances are slim on a sixth or seventh round pick making the team and contributing they would be even more slim on the undrafted free agent I'm not really sure I understand where you're going with this because I don't think I ever said that I'm more excited about an undrafted free agent than I am a sixth or seventh round pick. I actually think that the odds of an undrafted free agent being good are not all that different from sixth and seventh rounders. You can see that over the course of time. I think we talk more about undrafted free agents just because you feel like you got some sort of bargain anytime you find one that makes the roster. You feel like you got one over on the league because you didn't have to use a draft pick to get the guy. But I'm just as happy if a sixth or seventh rounder makes the team and does well as I am with an undrafted free agent. doesn't really matter to me. Listen, if Braden Mann, who is a sixth round pick, comes in here and is an awesome punter for the next 15 years and becomes the next Reggie Roby, I'll be just as happy as if he was an undrafted free agent. So I don't know that I've ever said that. If I gave that impression, I apologize because that's definitely not how I feel about it. What do you think, Chris? 
I don't really, uh, I haven't heard you say that, so I'm not sure where that's coming from. But what I'll say is that is they're they're pretty much the same. Um, you get a little bit more of leeway if if it's close to a tie, they're going to keep the GM's going to keep the guy they drafted. Um, you know, the the undrafted guy does have to be that much better to get the spot. Um, but that sixth or seventh pick. That being that draft pick is only going to buy you like, you know, that year. It's only going to save you that year. The next year, nobody's going to be like, eh, I really want to keep this guy because we drafted him in the sixth or seventh round the year before. That That's not going to happen. So you get a little bit of an advantage. But once you get past the fifth round, the sixth, seventh, and undrafted, you're you're at such a low percentage already that go ahead and knock it down another half percent, but like 1.5% versus 2% isn't that big of a difference. Um, you're, the odds are stacked against you regardless at that point. Next question comes in from JP Waxer. He says, in the grand scheme of things, which is more important and why? A solid offensive line or good offensive weapons, especially for this particular quarterback? That's a great question, by the way. I think the offensive line is first and foremost the most important thing that you can build because as we've seen, if you have good weapons but the quarterback doesn't have time to throw, you've got to be an absolutely special quarterback on a next level to be able to get things done. Russell Wilson is an example, and the funny thing about him is he doesn't even have amazing weapons. He's just that good. I've actually talked to Michael Nania about this, and I think Russell Wilson might be, as crazy as this sounds, one of the more underrated quarterbacks that we've seen in many, many years because everybody knows how great he is, but I think what he's able to do with that bad offensive line and not great weapons and basically carry that Seattle team is just remarkable. He is so good. I think when it's all said and done, he's a guy that could potentially be a top 10 quarterback of all time. I already think that he's probably the best quarterback not named Tom Brady or Peyton Manning from the last, say, 20, 25 years. And that includes Aaron Rodgers, who I think is amazing. But Russell Wilson is just absolutely incredible. But I think that if he had a better offensive line, it would be almost a no-brainer that they're a Super Bowl contender every single year. And I think that's sort of the same thing with Sam Darnold. I think you can get by a lot easier if you have solid weapons but an awesome offensive line as opposed to the reverse. I just think that you can do so many things. Look at the 49ers, the way that they dominated the line of scrimmage. Raheem Mostert looked like an MVP at one point. So when you take a look at that, I think it shows you that the offensive line is the key to being able to build a strong offense. And I really think that the old saying of building in the trenches is what you can build a team around to be successful in the long run. I think that's absolutely true. You build in the trenches, you get yourself an above-average quarterback, and I think that you're going to have a lot of success as an NFL franchise. Yeah, okay, so this is one of these questions, you know, there's a lot of nuance in here because obviously – You get the weapons. Let's let's say we talk about, you know, getting three top 15 or 20 receivers. Um, That's going to help the quarterback, obviously. And it's going to help the offensive line because you're able to get it out a little bit quicker. And obviously the flip side, having the best offensive line is going to allow the receivers to have a little more time to get open. So both will help. Uh, If you have one, if it just, they're both going to be an improvement. 
but the offensive line is uh, uh improves and affects the entire team more. Uh, you just talked about the 49ers and Raheem Mosert as an example. So the offensive line will help the receivers get open, uh, give them more time. It helps the running back to have a, a better running game, which helps the passing game, which helps the quarterback. So there's more ripple effects that way. Um, and it, it has an overall help more. Now, again, the receivers are going to help a lot uh, to cover up for a bad offensive line. But if you have a good, a great offensive line, you can do more with uh, – average receiving rep weapons than you can do with great receivers and an average offensive line. Um, you know, if you have, you know, Russell Wilson might be an exception to there. Cause I agree with everything you said about Russell, but because he is so good at the way he is able to act, navigate behind the terrible offensive line plays where you might be able to build more with uh, crazy receiver weapons for him. But for a quarterback like Sam Darnold and almost every quarterback, they're, they're going to be helped much more with that great offensive line than they would be with the receivers. Next question comes in from Joe Rowe. He says, any shot that Winters gets the starting job at right guard, also with the Eagles being down a guard and the Jets having an extra one, can you see the Jets potentially trading a guard over the Eagles considering that Joe Douglas has a pipeline there and certainly has a relationship with the front office. I think that if Winters is healthy, there's absolutely a chance that he wins the starting job from Greg Van Roten. It's not like there's pressure to play Van Roten. He signed for what is basically backup money. So if Winters is healthy, no reason he couldn't win the job. As far as making a trade, it's tough because if you're going to trade Winters, if you're the Eagles... I suppose he's an upgrade over what they have now that Brandon Brooks is out for the year. What a tough break for them, by the way. Brooks is such a good guard, such an outstanding offensive lineman. To lose him really hurts. Winters would probably be an upgrade over what they've got, but do they want to pay him $7.5 million? I'm guessing the answer is no. Maybe they would wait till he got released. Perhaps if they worked out a deal beforehand where Winters took a sizable pay cut to go to the Eagles, maybe you could get a conditional draft pick. But I think that's probably the best you can hope for. Maybe you get a conditional 6th or 7th round pick, kind of along the lines of what the Jets gave up to get Nate Hairston. And as you recall, Chris, they ended up not actually having to give up that pick, and Hairston stays anyway. With Winters, maybe you're able to get that, but only if Winters is willing to take a pay cut to go to the Eagles. Yeah, I'm not saying this again. I'm probably going to keep repeating this. I actually expect... That if Winters stays healthy, I expect him to be the starting guard this year. Uh, the question there is, can he stay healthy? Will mm-hmm. he stay healthy? Because that has been a problem. And even if he's healthy, I, I probably what I would say is that he would start, he would probably get hurt and then play through that injury for a couple weeks and then play poorly. And then they would have to shut him down and play somebody else. Um, that's how I would expect it to turn out if he makes it through the preseason training camp healthy. Uh, I can't, I don't see him being traded. I don't see that happening, but, uh, I mean, that does make sense, but I, I think the Eagles would probably be looking for something they could count on a little bit more because 
any team that's going to be looking for winters is going to go ahead and pull up that all those injuries and see that. And with that contract, they're probably not going to be wanting to pay that. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, before we get to our next question, I wanted to bring up a poll that I put on Twitter, and it seemed to get a lot of interesting responses. And this is right in your wheelhouse, so I thought it would be fun to talk about a little bit. I said, here's a theoretical scenario. Let's say you have a friend who's not really a TV watcher, but because of what's going on right now, he has extra time at home, and so he's looking to binge watch a show. And he calls you and he says... I'm not really a guy that likes to watch TV, but I'm willing to give one series a shot. I'm going to go completely on your recommendation. Which of these three shows that I've been hearing about for years should I dive into? And the three options are the three series that I think a lot of people consider top five shows of all time and perhaps the three greatest television dramas of all time. The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, and the wire. Now, before we get to our responses of what we would pick and why, the winner on the Twitter poll was The Sopranos, very narrowly, just edging out Breaking Bad, forty-one to thirty-nine. The Wire got killed, only got twenty percent. I think part of this is probably because of the bias that comes from the fact that most people that listen to the podcast or follow me on Twitter 
are people that are from the New York, New Jersey area. So The Sopranos is sort of ingrained in the culture in a way that the other two shows are not. As far as my pick, I think a lot of this would have to do with who my friend was that I was recommending it to and what I thought they would like. But if we're going just based on what I think the best show is, it's really hard because the thing with The Wire is as much as I love it, it takes a while to get going. It can be slow season two. While I enjoyed it, it was nowhere near as good as the other seasons. So somebody might kind of just power through season two. The Sopranos is interesting because I think The Sopranos at its absolute best might be the best of the three. But... There were a lot of episodes and a couple of seasons that were kind of mediocre to me. Breaking Bad might have been the most consistent. So that might be the one that I recommend just because it sort of threads the needle between the two shows. But I don't know. It's really tough. I guess it just depends on who the friend is and what I think that friend would like. But if you pressed me... I would probably recommend Breaking Bad, not necessarily because I think it's the best of the three, but because I think it's the most consistent and it's the one that you can watch from start to finish and get drawn in at the beginning and never lose any focus off of it. Whereas with The Wire, sometimes it gets slow and with The Sopranos, they had a couple of seasons that were sort of mediocre. See, I was all set to... uh... To start out with a the same answer type that you gave with saying that it depends on who's asking me, especially if it's somebody I know, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I I have friends who would like certain things that wouldn't like other things. So I was all set to do that, but then you rattled off those three choices, and I don't don't not doing that because the answer is the wire, and it, that's the only answer. Um, I reject the notion that The Wire takes uh, a while to become compelling and to hook you. Because I remember vividly, I, I was home from college. I was downstairs in my, po- uh, my parents' basement. And I just happened to have HBO on when the first episode of The Wire aired. I had never heard about it. I didn't know anything that was coming. I would just happen to be there. And I was like, oh, HBO, I was, what's this? And that first opening scene of The Wire, I was like, I'm all in. I That scene right there, I was hooked. I was all in. Yes, it does get better. Uh, the best seasons are three and four. Those are the best seasons. But I, I was hooked immediately. Um, the Sopranos was great, uh, and it, it was great for the time. To suggest to go back and watch a tw- – I wouldn't suggest going back and watching a 20-year-old uh, – show as like if this is what we're going for it's just one show to reel you in i probably wouldn't go for 20 years and then as you mentioned those middle seasons there's there's a lot of middling around and a lot of wasteful stuff there um great show and i am from northern new jersey so i have an affinity to it there but the fact that the wire came in third in that poll is ludicrous to me and i have uh, I enjoyed Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bad is probably the most overrated television show in the history of television. It it was good. It was good. That 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 that's it. Like it was good. It wasn't even great. It was good. I completely disagree. I think it was a great show, but I also disagree with you on The Wire. Listen, I love The Wire too, but it definitely takes a while to get into it. 
And this is not just for me. I was willing to give it a chance, so I got hooked in fairly early. But I've talked to a lot of people that have said, you know, if oh, it it's not an unpopular fact, opinion. I, yeah. I no, I've heard it a lot before. Mm-hmm. It just really bothers me because I, again, maybe, maybe it's just me, but that first scene, I was hooked immediately. And I, I don't know, maybe people didn't realize exactly where the show was taking you, but you could, I could tell from that first scene and I was all in. I understand, but I'm saying in terms of me recommending to somebody, and this would be somebody who's only going to pick one series to watch, I don't want them to come back to me and say, I watched a couple episodes and I'm ready to not watch anymore. Because I've had a couple of people do that. And then there are people that, because The Wire has come so highly recommended, they'll give it a shot and eventually they'll get into it. And with The Sopranos, same thing. I love The Sopranos. That one you get into right away. I think it comes out of the gate strong. That first season of The Sopranos is one of the best seasons of any television show I've ever seen. But there were some seasons in the middle that were a little uneven. I don't agree with you on Breaking Bad. I think it was pretty outstanding throughout, and I thought the story arcs were all really, really good. And the way it wrapped up was strong. I really liked the way The Wire wrapped up, too. But The Sopranos, we've been debating this forever as far as the ending of the show. I thought it was funny, too, that recently people were making a big deal because David Chase, the creator, said something about the death scene. And then everybody was like, oh, oh, my God, he finally admitted that Tony Soprano is dead. But it's like, yeah, we all knew that. And it's been, what? 13, 14 years. It was sort of the Schrodinger's cat ending, and everybody sort of knew he was dead, even though technically he was both dead and alive at the same time in your mind. But I thought that the ending there was questionable. I know there are some people that like to praise it and say that we just didn't understand the ending and it was above us, but I didn't really love it. So I thought Breaking Bad was the one that if I were to recommend it to somebody who's not really a TV watcher, they could get into it right away, see it all the way through, and they would enjoy the payoff at the end. So that was my thought on that, Chris. But I do understand what you're saying. I love The Wire, so it's not like I'm going to argue too strenuously. It's not like I'm going to sit here and say, oh, how can you say The Wire? The Wire is terrible. I thought it was a great show. I'm just saying from the standpoint of a third party, that's what my thought process would probably be. I get it. Uh, I'm still going with The Wire because I don't I don't care. Yeah, if someone's asking me for my recommendation, then that's what they're getting. They're getting my recommendation. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I understand uh, the B- Breaking Bad everything about it and people's love for it. I I have problems with Breaking Bad that I'm not going to get into, but uh, I just, there's so many things that that show that I'm just, I just kind of roll my eyes at and uh, suspend disbelief uh, like crazy. Um, the, the other beautiful part about The Wire is even the parts of The Wire that seem ridiculous and absurd, uh, are actually toned down in the real stories of what happened that, that it's based on are actually even more ridiculous. So uh, if you're asking for my recommendation on anything and the wire is involved in it, the wire is getting my vote. I love the wire, Chris, but if we're talking about suspension of disbelief, I just have one word for you. Hamsterdam. <laughs> Hamsterdam and, and even worse than Hamsterdam. There's a better chance of Hamsterdam happening than, uh, than the McNulty uh, storyline in the final season playing uh-huh. out exactly like this. Yes, and we won't get into any more of it because 
I don't want to kill the show for people that haven't seen it. But needless to say, regardless of which of these shows we recommend, I would 100% recommend watching any of the three because all three were outstanding, just like this edition of The Mailbag. And we'll be back for part two of The Weekend Mailbag tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't checked out part one of my extensive look back at the 2008 season at JetsXFactor.com, you can go ahead and do that. You also get Michael Nania's incredible statistical evaluations, Joe Blewett's full film room videos, and Robbie Sabo's up-to-the-second news and analysis. That's all over at JetsXFactor.com. And remember, once I'm finished with all the written parts of the 2008 series, I'm going to turn it into an audio documentary. Really looking forward to that. Hope that you'll support that project the way that you support this podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review here on the podcast, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.